Thank you for joining today. I am your host, Adriana Zamoran, and I welcome you to this week's episode of the ShareChair Podcast, where we tell stories and learn from listening. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the ShareChair Podcast. I'm here with two new guests, Brad and Christian. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Absolutely. Uh, first, thanks for having us. Uh, my name is Brad Hefia. My pronouns are he, him, and I work at Resilience Advocates for Ending Violence. We are a nonprofit that's primarily located in Holland, Michigan, but we also serve Grand Haven and Allegan as well. Um, at Resilience, I'm the Healthy Manhood Coordinator on the prevention team. We'll get into kind of what that looks like and what we do, uh, but essentially we support survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. And my program is really focused on how do we prevent that from happening in the first place? So working a lot with men and boys to change culture, to create a safer community for everyone, but especially um, women and girls. And I'm Christian Clark. I'm a senior at Hope College. I'm a psychology and exercise science dual major. A lot of what I do at Hope is with a organization called STEP, which is students teaching and empowering peers. We focus on three different levels of prevention, primary, secondary, and tertiary when it comes to gendered and sexual violence. Um, I focus a lot on the primary prevention with healthy relationships, masculinity, that sort of stuff, and also just supporting mental health of all the other students around me. And that's been a, a really great experience so far. Yeah, that's awesome. So just to dig a little bit more into what you guys do. So you say that you kind of try to uh, teach on men and boys like crucial life skills. I mean, I saw I read that somewhere and mm-hmm. just things of the sort. So really, what is the goal of all this? You said it's yeah. like to prevent domestic violence before it even starts. So mm-hmm. h- how is that implemented and like where have you gone? Things like that, just kind of get into it. Absolutely, um, there's a lot to get into. Um, <laughs> So we know that domestic violence and sexual assault is something that happens in every community, everywhere. Uh, Unfortunately, it's been happening for a very long time. And recently, it's actually on the rise. Since COVID, Mm. we've actually seen that a pretty harsh spike in domestic and sexual violence uh, across the world, but also even locally in Ottawa County. That's interesting. Is there like a reason why that's yeah, happening? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's something that once we noticed the data, we mm-hmm. were asking those questions. Why, yeah. why is that happening? Uh, and so when we think about domestic violence, for example, um, when those stay-at-home orders came through, um, which obviously they were trying to prevent the spread of COVID, right? Um, but now you have to work from home or all of these public places are closed down. Mm-hmm you have these families or these people that are kind of trapped. Yeah, spending too much time together. (laughs) right, they're trapped at home and maybe home isn't a safe place. Mm. And so we're seeing more incidents. Um, We're seeing kind of this spike in people calling our helpline. We actually Mm. saw a 60% increase in people calling resilience, saying Mm. my home isn't safe um, because we have a shelter for folks who are survivors of domestic violence. So I say all that just to kind of paint a picture. Um, I don't think we talk a lot about this issue in the public. Um, It's kind of taboo or hush-hush. But when you look at the data, um, it's staggering how often this is happening. Mm. I actually believe that every single person knows and loves someone 
who is a survivor of either domestic violence or sexual assault. Mm. Uh, statistically, yeah, it's, that makes sense it's one in three um, women and girls. Uh, so we all know and love um, someone who's gone through this. But back to your question, right, of kind of the work that we do, especially with maybe our young men and boys. Yeah. Um, well, I'm also really interested in thing. It seems like the healthy manhood cord- your the, mm-hmm. like healthy manhood was it champions yes champions yeah. of, of healthy manhood yep yep so that's just a bracket of resilience and you're mm-hmm. saying there's a, a whole helpline and all these other things yeah. that are yeah. happening b- behind that as well right so. i'd say there's like two spheres of resilience the the one is we are helping survivors uh, or victims and mm-hmm. their families providing therapy legal advocacy a safe shelter all kinds of resources that they need to navigate what just happened and hopefully find healing. But then the other sphere, which is what Christian and I are a part of, is how do we prevent this from happening in the first place? Um, And so that's why we focus so much on masculinity in terms of how it's taught and learned Mm. and passed down from generation, those expectations, those rules, those norms that are really entrenched in society. Mm. We all know what those are, but so many of them kind of lead to unhealthy relationships or behaviors in life. And so what we do is we try to gather men and boys together and to kind of put a spotlight on what those norms and expectations are and kind of ask the question, you know, which one, which of these expectations serve you in a positive way mm. and which ones maybe are not very healthy for you or the people in your life, uh, your mental health, your relationships, your physical health, safety. And I think when we have those honest conversations, um, we can kind of get to the root of a lot of violence that's happening in our community. Yeah, definitely. From like an outside perspective, like seeing how men are taught to Mm -hmm. like their behaviors Mm -hmm. and what they're taught to keep in or, Mm -hmm. and so I have, I'm in a club, it's called Peer Up, and we kind of like talk about human connection and things like that. And I've actually really noticed like this kind of gap in um what men are told that they can talk about like i've seen like this with like my father and my brother and kind of like withholding all of those uh problems and Mm -hmm. emotions and so that's this is really powerful stuff yeah and i think we could maybe take a minute and kind of name some of those i think you got us started right there but that idea of, of holding in mm-hmm. um, a lot of really important thoughts or feelings. And so maybe kicking it to Christian, but like if we were to kind of build this list or this man box is what we yeah. call it, what are some of those very traditional r- rules and expectations that men and boys are supposed to follow? Mm-hmm. Um, can we name some of those I think for the audience? I think one of the, the massive ones that all men and boys will hear at some point is men don't cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that, especially in athletics, that's something you hear, like, no crying on the field, or mm-hmm. if you get hurt, you can't cry, mm-hmm. those sorts of things, and that are, that are really damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, that's just a huge one that I think everybody names first, is mm-hmm. men don't cry, or men are tough, or you have to be strong. A lot of those sorts of things mm-hmm. that in, in both ways can be true. Like, being strong is not necessarily a bad thing, but strong in what way? If it's strong right. in, like, a prideful way where you or like physical strength instead of emotional strength, that's where problems can become. Like if you have to be physically stronger than somebody and that's what masculinity is, instead of strong enough to ask for help, that's where Mm. those differences and that ambiguity starts to come in and it can get difficult to manage. But Mm -hmm. 
I think strength, no crying, no emotions. Mm -hmm. Provider is a big one, mm -hmm. but provider from a sense of purely monetary providing. It seems like these things seem really physical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a lot from what you're saying. It seems like where men are kind of told how to act be beneath the surface. Is it as, and I right in saying yeah. that? I mean, there, uh, there's no, I guess, playbook for men on how to mm. like act emotionally because it's not something you're allowed to do in our society is be emotional. So there's no place for you to understand what your feelings are, be able to name your emotions. That's something mm. a lot of men struggle with is even labeling what they're feeling. Yeah. Um, the two that men are allowed, uh, provided with a lot of the time is anger and withdrawal. You either can feel nothing and suppress everything or be angry. And with anger comes violence, and that's kind of where the problem comes in with gendered violence is if all you know is anger, which will become violence, why do we expect anything other than that? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And it also is so interesting how you're saying there's, like, almost no format for that. Like, there's, like, it's not even, like, an idea. So, like, what's maybe your guys' own personal experience growing up with, like, this conflict mm. inside yourself? Like, this almost, yeah. like clashing. Yeah, absolutely. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. There is an internal conflict, I think, with maybe every uh, young man or boy mm -hmm. growing up in the society that we that we live in. Mm -hmm. You know, from a very early age, on the playground, at recess, at school, you know, we're starting to, to see and hear a lot of those expectations that Christian just laid out. Um, you know, that you're supposed to be dominant and strong and powerful and popular um, mm. You can't be too smart. You can't be too kind. You can't be too gentle. Um, it's like survival of the fittest out there. Uh, and yet so many men and, and boys, <clears throat> that's not really their heart. They are maybe more soft or gentle or sensitive or, you know, maybe they don't have an interest in fighting and being physically dominant and working out or sports. But we live in a culture that says this is the only way for men and boys. Anything outside of that is wrong. Um, mm -hmm. You're not man enough. You're not a real man. And so, so many boys move through the world with this conflict of, I don't feel enough. And that's where we get into an issue mm -hmm. um, where a lot of them then start to kind of posture or perform their masculinity. And we have a term for that in our field. Um, we call it hyper masculinity, mm -hmm. where to kind of shield themselves from being outcasted or judged or ridiculed, they kind of put on this tough guy mask. Yeah. Um, you know, they're walking around and they don't care about school or they're the bully or, you know, they're always getting into fights. Or, mm -hmm. But it's all a mask because when you look underneath that, there's so much more there. There's pain, there's sadness, there's loneliness. And I can speak about that because I lived that. You know, I, I remember growing up, middle school, high school, I was always captain of the football team. And, you know, that was my outlet. And I was like an alpha on the field. Um, mm -hmm. But no one, would, no one really knew. And I think my peers and my teachers would be shocked if they knew that I was actually um, very sensitive mm -hmm. and very gentle and very lonely. And I come from a, a home where there was a lot of violence and abuse, mental illness, drugs, kind of what a lot of people would say is a broken home. Um, but I was so afraid that anyone would associate that with me that any time I left that home, I put on this mask. I was the star athlete. I was the tough guy. Um, but underneath all that was a lot of pain and sadness and fear and loneliness. But that conflict, I could never talk about it and I could never show it. Mm -hmm. 
What about you, Christian? Uh, basically the same story. Uh, in high school, I was the athlete. Didn't really look like there was anything wrong from the outside because, again, as Brad said, the mask that I wore was the athlete, always happy, always, like, excited to do stuff. But deep down, that just wasn't me. And I wasn't allowed to feel the emotionality that I knew that I had, but also didn't have any words for because, again, I was never allowed to have it. So I just had this, I'm the athlete, I'm the tough guy. All I do is work out. All I do is play baseball, um, which wasn't me. It's not what I wanted, but it was my, what I was prescribed as my person by my peers. Mm. And that's what I felt like I had to uphold, had to be, um, and couldn't be anything else and that wasn't fair to me it took away all of my basically just being a human as a whole um didn't have any true relationships didn't have any true friends because all i felt like i was allowed to have was being an athlete and like being strong being tough Mm -hmm. um when deep down there was this depressed shell of a human being that i wasn't allowed to feel and so it was it was a scary time it wasn't fun um, but again, as Brad said, like nobody would have known because I didn't let that on to anybody because I didn't feel like I was allowed to talk to anybody about it. Yeah. Hmm. And this makes me think of like the term toxic masculinity. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can talk about it. Yeah, because it, it seems like people are weaponizing this idea now of mm. m- what masculinity looks like yeah. and what it shouldn't look like and when it goes too far, mm-hmm. which is like, it seems so... Um, ironic Mm -hmm. because it's like you as men are being pushed to be that Mm -hmm. athlete to be that popular guy Mm -hmm. and like take on that persona because that's what people want you to be that's what people like to see right but beneath that or maybe even because of that now people are looking at you like oh well you just have toxic masculinity and you just need to open up and do this but that's not even that's not even something that yeah. you even knew that you m- maybe had the possibility or the capability right. or wasn't even an option for you. Right. Going back to what you said about toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. I think that's a phrase that maybe most people in the audience will will know and have heard yeah. that before. Um, <clears throat> it's not a phrase that we say um, in the work that we do. I don't think it's fair. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't think there's something biologically wrong with with men and boys, and I think maybe that phrase makes it seem like there's something just inherently wrong with Mm. masculinity. Instead, what we focus so much on is there's a cultural issue in terms of how is this taught and learned and encouraged, uh, and that's really what we're focusing on. Um, But to your point, like about friendships, uh, so many men that are on our team um, have gone through like severe loneliness in their life. Um, because with it, no one's ever given them the emotional toolkit to have deep and meaningful That's connection. That's a good way to phrase it, yeah. No one's ever taught them those skills because from such a young age, that was not their role. Yeah. Um, that was not expected of them. So they move through life. They don't get those crucial skills. So then they grow up. They have no idea what it takes to have a successful long-term you know, marriage or friendship or everything is surface level. Guys are talking about work, sports, and then you'll get the occasional like locker room talk um, where mm. they're, they're talking as bros. And that's when it gets really, really, you know, problematic. And so we're trying to change all of that. We want masculinity to be a thing that 
is wonderful for men and boys. It's freeing, it's liberating. They can have healthy relationships and great mental health. And at the same time, we're also making it that it's a wonderful thing for everyone else, especially women and girls, that that type of locker room talk's not happening, the objectification's not happening, the harassment isn't happening. And we believe that we can do that, but it's going to take a lot more men to come up and come forward to change that culture. Culture doesn't change just a couple people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big part of this is raising awareness and trying to recruit more men. But Christian, I'll, I'll kind of pass it over to you. I think the, the friendship conversation is just so funny because there have been so many times that I'll go and talk to my girlfriend after hanging out with a bunch of guys, and she'll be like, well, what did you talk about? I'll be like, nothing. Or like, well, what did, like, how are their relationships? I'm like, I have no idea. We don't talk about that. That's not something that men mm-hmm. talk about. Because the moment you get to that depth, it seems scary because a lot of men don't have the words for any of that, how they're mm-hmm. feeling. Like, you always ask, like, oh, how are you doing? And it's always just good. And then you ask, well, how are you really? It's like, I have no idea because it's just not words that they have. And so friendships stay surface level between men because they don't know how to talk about anything because they've never had permission to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then you end up with surface level friendships that result in loneliness because their friendships are like, it's good to have friends, but when your friends don't know about what your true life is, they can't support you in any way. And so you get stuck back with the loneliness that a lot of men feel, even though you can have a bunch of friends, you can be popular, and yet nobody will really know you because you have no no way to explain it. And that's something that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. Like, had a lot of friends in high school. Nobody knew what was going on because I didn't know how to talk about it, and they didn't want to hear it because they get afraid too when those conversations conversations start happening. And there was a, a, real quick, there was a, a, a study that came out just this past year on the state of American men uh, in 2023. And it was actually young men, 16 to 24, 65% of them said, no one really knows me. I don't have any friends. I don't have any close friends that know the real me. Uh, So 65% of young men, 16 to 24, don't have anyone that knows their true authentic self. And I think right there, that sets the stage for a lot of problems later in life. Yeah. Wow, that's... It's That's, a lot, right? Yeah. Yep. Most of our young men are feeling very isolated and very alone. Even if they're surrounded by guys or, f- or seemingly friends, no one really knows me, mm-hmm. the real me. And that goes back to the, the mask that we wear. If, mm-hmm. we, like, if you're afraid to take off that mask with your friends, they're not going to know. But also they don't want you to take off the mask because... Does that maybe make them question their own mask? Right. I think so. And that's that's a place that no guy without the toolkit to Mm -hmm. explore those feelings wants to go there because all they know is how to put it in a little jar and hope that it doesn't explode. Right. All of those emotions just get pent up in one little thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's why we see violent outbursts because Mm -hmm. the only place that that can go, you can't cope with it. You can only be angry. You you don't know how to cope with it. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, it bursts, right? right? Like it's like almost uncontrollable maybe. Yeah, I think it's it's the result of continuous suppression. Mm-hmm. And the body is a container. 
we can only hold so much of a particular emotion. And when we're dealing with intense emotion, heavy, uncomfortable emotion, we fill up faster. Mm. And so there's a limit we all have. And I think a lot of men, because again, don't have the permission, don't have the tools, it will explode. It's just a matter of, of when. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're all about creating spaces where, you know, how do we learn those tools? Uh, giving men permission and spaces to develop, to unlearn a lot of those really unhealthy expectations we talked about at the beginning, and then to re kind of learn what's it like to be a full human being and what does that look like in relationships? And so we really focus on mm-hmm. connection, authenticity, vulnerability, and empathy. Those are kind of our four pillars um, that we spend so much time on. And uh, I think in humanizing men, we create a much safer community. Definitely, yeah. I really think that the term humanization, like mm. humanizing men, mm-hmm. really resonates with this idea. Yeah. Going back into mm-hmm. the... I don't want to hang on to this too long, but the phrase toxic masculinity just really mm-hmm. sticks out to me because that, mm-hmm. that's what I see like in the media of putting the responsibility on men mm-hmm. to gain that emotional intelligence, to mm-hmm. gain that ability to like be feminine and masculine and, and not go into this superficial term of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. that is used to just tear people down yeah. from something that they don't they were never even taught, never given the toolbox for, like you're saying. Right. What was that first step for you mm. to maybe question that? Yeah. yeah. It's a great question. Um, and, and Christian and I may have similar stories yet again. We'll see. Yeah, I um, think you're going to hear something similar here where yeah. it was a woman in both of our lives yeah. that opened that door. I yeah. was actually wondering that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a really great point for us to kind of, again, highlight the work that we're doing, all the things that we're saying, you know, women have been saying for forever. Um, like hundreds of years. You know, they literally have written books on this. Um, so we're a very pro-feminist group, and that's the work that we do. Um, but this isn't some, like, groundbreaking new idea. Um, and so just wanting to, to center the women that have laid the foundation for us to do this work. Um, but I would say for me personally, I, as I mentioned before, middle school, high school, was not my authentic self, was going through a ton of things at home, was wearing the mask every day at school, so afraid that for someone to see the real me and to think that I was um, broken or not enough. Um, I then go to college, um, went to Hope College my freshman year. I was on the football team there uh, for a little while, but um, it kind of all caught up with me, like years and years and years of like this mental health crisis that I wasn't dealing with. And then here I am, I'm outside of my, my community, I'm four hours away from my hometown, I don't know anybody. I'm on this team with, you know, it's uh, physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted. And I really started to kind of break down a little bit. That freshman year was really, really a low point of, of loneliness and, and depression. And I didn't like that, obviously. It doesn't feel good for, the, for those who have, who have been there. Um, but I had, thankfully, um, she's my wife now, but at the time we were dating high school sweethearts. And um, she, in many ways, saved me. Um, she wanted me to be authentic. She created spaces for me to be vulnerable and really challenged this idea that I had in my head, which was, if I do those things, 
I won't be liked. Um, if I do those things, I won't be living up to what she wants in a partner. And it was actually kind of the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I think her giving me permission to feel and to talk and to be real and to own, you know, my story and to talk about things that I had lived through, um, to prioritize my mental health, to go to therapy, um, really changed the trajectory of my life in so many ways. I'm not here doing this work, talking about this, if it's not for her and the safety and the permission that, that she kind of gave um, for me. And I know that isn't always the case. I'm very fortunate to have a partner that is so supportive, but I'll kind of kick it yeah. to Christian to tell his story on that. It's going to be another very <clears throat> similar story. I think that's going to be common across men that you talk mm -hmm. to, especially in this space. It was generally a woman who opened them up to like being their authentic self. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend, when we first started talking, like ended up knowing two different of me because there was a me when I was with her, and then there was a me when we when we were with other people. I think that's very common. And if yeah. there was. Like any other men in the room, I was just a completely different person. And we had a conversation one time. She was like, I don't like you when you're with other people. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're, you act different. You talk different. You, you seem like you have different beliefs when you're with other people. And I'm like, that's something that I didn't even realize. It was just something that I naturally did and was so practiced for so long because it was what I thought people expected of me. And so that's what I performed. But it was finally when she was like, look, you suck when you're with other people either figure it out or like you're going to be on your own and i'm like all right that's a Ultimate wake up call right there. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it was like a very beneficial thing because i finally got to just be myself and not worry about what other people thought because i knew that there was at least one person who did like me when i was myself hmm. and it ended up being really beneficial because now i can just be myself whenever and not really worry about the negative thoughts of what men want to see of me because maybe I'm not as masculine or you know whatever they require I it's just not something that I worry about anymore but it was very much her saying yeah you suck when you're around other people that like was like a bit of a wake-up call and allowed me to start learning about what it's like to be fully human but also a healthy mass man in our society compared to I would probably be considered a toxic masculine male uh, back four or five years ago for sure so but yeah I thank her mm -hmm. tremendously for calling me out on what was going on because yeah. I didn't recognize it no guy around you is going to recognize it because they're doing the exact same thing and nobody's got knows what's going on um, but yeah it was, yeah that's going to be very common across anybody this is going to be there's two different guys there's one with like their girlfriend or other women and then there's a guy with guys and it's so common and then even today like sometimes i'll recognize i don't know where i'm like hmm what i just said was not something that's me that was a performance mm -hmm. um but at least i now can recognize that compared to a while ago when it was just mm -hmm. oh, a yeah. complete code shift <laughs> right. out of nowhere definitely so obviously this is an oversimplification like you guys went through a lot of things to get to where you are today of and course. i and I want to talk about the importance that you guys are opening this conversation up to mm -hmm. young men and boys. Yeah. Or men, young men, boys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As men. Mm -hmm. Because you guys are saying that 
for both of you, it's been a female kind of mm-hmm. bridging that gap for you, which makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense to me because males are very emotional people. It's just, I think it would be twice as powerful, mm. maybe for you guys, correct me if, I, if you disagree with this, of course, to hear that from a man. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it just hits a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a big part of what I do at Resilience is I actually teach classes for sixth through 12th grade boys, yeah. these weekly classes where I'm creating these spaces and I'm challenging them in a really positive way to unlearn some of those things that we mentioned before, to embrace the, you know authenticity, vulnerability, empathy for women and girls is a huge part of that. Um, and I do see um, such a transformation that that happens over those 12 or 24 weeks depending on our program Um, and usually I'm the first guy ever in their life that has asked them these questions that have called them into the conversation around these topics that challenges them when that you know I hear certain words or language or talking about music lyrics or video games music videos you know, stuff that they're seeing on TikTok. Like, usually the other men in their lives are either totally fine with it or don't really talk about it. There's like a silence um, that happens with a lot of men in the community. And so I think that there is like a bit of a stops them in their tracks. Like, whoa, this is the first time this has ever happened with a, a man in their life that's trying to talk to them and model, you know, these healthy behaviors, giving them permission to talk about feelings. Um, and so I think that's an important piece of this is, you know, we, the, the women who have laid the foundation, we, we're not here without them, but we also need men to kind of, you know, rise up as well and to meet the women where they're oh, at of and, course, yeah. and to do the work and to actually show the young men like, Hey, this is possible. This is what it looks like. Here's a role model. Here's a roadmap to how you might get there. It's hard to become something if you've never seen it. So we need more men who are stepping into that spotlight, that leadership role, and and actually doing the work so that our young men and boys have an example of what that looks like. What are some experiences that you've had, like maybe some powerful, Mm. of course, with anonymity to whoever you're talking about, but just like powerful experiences that you had that Mm -hmm. have really stuck with you? I know, I've I've got some, I'm thinking, Christian, Mm -hmm. do you have one maybe around like in college talking to I won't say his name right. but about some yeah. of the you know. so there's a, a guy that I know who <laughs> I've been close to for a while now because just based off of proximity hope isn't that big and also from a similar area for where, where I'm from um, and he's come from a family where masculinity is something that is very traditional very provider no emotion that sort of stuff Mm. um and a lot of talk of like calling things gay which as a put down as a put down which is part of what we're trying to To change uh, change obviously um and so there there have been many transitions with him um and just having conversations like look first of all you can't say that but also, like, he started to open up emotionally with me, which was super powerful. Because a lot of the times, like, I'll just jump off the deep end and just start sharing stuff that they might not be ready for. But it also gives them permission to do the same. And so I've had a lot of conversations with him about, like, oh, I was so angry or, 
I wanted to be violent, but then I realized that it was fear or it was sadness or it was depression. And at this point, like significantly more healthy, doesn't refer to things as gay or anything like that. And instead of getting angry, takes the time to process his emotions and to understand what's going on deep down and have a conversation about it with somebody instead of boxing it up and putting on the shelf or like has allowed himself to cry recently which Mm -hmm. he said that he hadn't done in like 12 years and i I hope from my own personal knowledge like i think that that would is very common correct like that right men and boys just don't cry like that's just something that they don't have permission that's one of the first things you hear is guys men don't cry yeah when crying is super healthy and Mm -hmm. like a great mechanism and it's cathartic Mm -hmm. and it's good for you to cry to experience that release of emotion Mm -hmm. but instead it's something that we have to hold in Um, and so it's been great seeing that transition and now he is also promoting that stuff to his uh, people around him Um, and so I heard him telling people not to say some stuff or to like actually talk about some things um, and that's just it's just wonderful to see mm-hmm. it was so exciting mm-hmm. and I was like wow three years ago you were something completely different and it yeah. was just great mm-hmm. and I think I have very similar stories um, where it's you know they experience an internal transformation first and then the, it sparks this leadership quality of where they want to then go help the next person um, and that, again that's that's culture change that's that's what we want but I think about like one of the things I really focus on is in our culture there's so much um, misogyny and sexism uh, especially in the media music videos Mm -hmm. video games movies tv shows and our young boys are are getting those messages all day every day and so like we create space for weeks and weeks and weeks where you know we actually talk about and show some examples of some very common popular you know uh, music or video games and kind of have them see take a step back and look at it and um, I have a lot of young men who at the beginning of the class maybe we refer to to girls at the school as like the b word or they Mm -hmm. they'll in the locker room or something you know they engage in you know slut shaming and we focus on not doing that and then making sure like if you hear that that you say something um, that you do something, that you stand for what's right. Even if that means you stand alone in that moment, you still stand for what's right. So I can think of so many boys that go through the program. These kind of shift the language that they use. They're more aware of like, okay, I shouldn't say these words. I shouldn't spread those rumors. And then they are calling other boys who they're hearing or seeing those things happen. They're calling them in and they're saying like, whoa, whoa, bro, like we don't use that language or that's not funny or... And I think that's a really, really powerful thing. Um, and our young boys then kind of feel a sense of pride that they're mm. they're doing the right thing. And I'm hoping that that's how it kind of continues and it becomes kind of a uh, momentous, contagious movement yeah. mm-hmm. um, at the school level. Yeah, that kind of gets into my next question. I was thinking of this like butterfly effect that that would have. Mm, great work. And, you know, the men that are given this opportunity to be emotional, to be... Mm-hmm full humans and authentic and then you know therefore spreading that on to the people Mm -hmm. that they know in their lives whether it's by standing up or by you know giving them a space to do that as well and so I'm just kind of interested in like 
how fulfilling this has been for you guys to like be able to see those changes like with your your friend in college like how prideful you must have felt to be able to give him that space and to be able to do that and that just must push you even further yeah well and it's awesome because then you get an actual friend too like <laughs> we can have conversations about stuff that like mean something instead of just sports or yeah. whatever and so like that's great that, like you have a actual friend mm -hmm. who you can talk about real things with talk about emotions with and it's like especially because the work that we do is it's difficult because mm -hmm. it's very pushed back against and it's very polarized in our world mm -hmm. today and so it's it's just great when like you see it actually helping somebody else um another thing i've experienced is like a lot of men want to do it and a lot of men mm -hmm. want to feel whole but have no idea how and so when they get the opportunity, it's like the floodgates opening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you can run one of both ways. You can run towards this or you can run towards the other accepting side, which is the toxic alpha culture. Andrew Tate. Yeah. Because it's so accepting. You just got to pay $50 and you're in this club. Mm -hmm. um, and pushes you further away from being fully human. Mm -hmm. But, like, mm -hmm. men want to feel whole. They want to understand how to experience emotion. They want mm -hmm. to be able to do all of this. They just have never been given permission and don't know how. Mm -hmm. And so it's great. Like it's mm -hmm. very fulfilling work. Um, and you get amazing relationships coming out of it. They just have to also like take the time to do the work because it's not easy, mm -mm. but it's very much worth it. Yeah, I, I echo everything that, that Christian was saying. I, I was thinking about the relationship impact and, and witnessing the transformation of a relationship, especially with the young men that I work with, like at the high school level. You know, we talk about relationships. A lot of them have a hard time sustaining a relationship, a lot of breakups, um, a lot of rejection. And then, you know, they get angry and they don't know what to do with that. And, and I think Andrew Tate culture, it's like, you know, then they just blame, you know, the women and girls at the school. Mm -hmm. um, I think witnessing that transformation of they're developing these really important relationship skills, you know, empathy, communication, listening, and how then as we work together and I work with the same group for years and years um, to see them then you know later on they get in a relationship and it sticks um, because you know that they've done the work they've they've gone back to the table and they've said okay this this kind of Andrew Tate mentality the outcome of that is failed relationships with women how do I go back and kind of start over and think about how am I viewing what am I saying what's the language what what am I searching online they do mm -hmm. that work, and then later on, they're starting to transform as a partner, and the relationships are sticking, and they're lasting. Uh, doesn't mean they're perfect, but that's what we want. Um, we want these young men to be happy and to have really successful, long, you know, safe relationships, and this is, I think, a really important way of, of getting there, and so to witness that. Um, in my position, I have that privilege because I work with them for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then usually for years and years and years, I'm able to see kind of that full circle. It takes a long time. This is not a it's not, not a quick work. turnaround. Mm -hmm. We're talking years and years to get to. Well, because you know, that's your whole life. Yeah, you got to change at the very core, right? Your identity um, as a as a young man, which is massive, and our culture is not helping, right? No. It's, <laughs> the loudest examples of, of manhood tend to be uh, quite unhealthy. So um, it takes a long time, but 
it's like Christian said, it's worth it. It's really interesting, this discussion of, I'm going to go back to Andrew Tate, like yeah. kind of this capitalization yeah. on what masculinity is supposed mm-hmm. to be and mm-hmm. like how much it floods the media. Yeah. And it takes a different kind of strength. Like we were talking about how men are told to be strong, yeah. but not strong in terms of being able to see yourself mm-hmm. and be emotional and do that because that's also strength. I think we have a lot of empathy for mm-hmm. for men and boys. And mm-hmm. I know that Andrew Tate's a really popular guy. And I think there's a reason why he's really popular. I think so many of them are searching for community, connection, yeah. belonging, purpose. Mm-hmm. And they like, don't know where to get that. And Hustlers University and Andrew Tate, they are radically accepting. Yeah, like, if you if you pay the, the money, yeah. they'll, they'll take you. And so accepting to the point of like anybody can be there and feel some form of connection and mm-hmm. some form of purpose when that purpose isn't great but it's something it's it something. provides mm-hmm. you with something some sort of right like anything and, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of young guys are searching for is right. some sort of purpose that defines what they can be right because when all you're defined as is a provider but you also have nothing to provide because you're young and don't have mm-hmm. a career you need something I think an interesting question to ask, and this is completely hypothetical because we can't ask him, but I wonder if he's happy, Andrew Tate. That's a great question. Like, does what he's doing actually make him happy? Because he doesn't have any true relationships with anybody. Sure, you have a lot of money, but we know money doesn't buy happiness. Mm -hmm. Like, as you go up Mm -hmm. how much money you have, it doesn't actually change how happy you are. I mean, I make the assumption that he would think that he's happy. I think he would think he is, but I don't... I think if he, like, you know, if he were to take a depression test or an anxiety test like you'd come back as not great yeah. I'd love to ask him too like what what has he been through like growing up yeah and I would imagine that there's a lot of there's wounds there that he never got supported or never had an opportunity to work through in a healthy manner um, and, and I think you know he he, he deserves to, to be able to to heal and um, I hope that that happens in life, but he's gonna to have to put in a lot of work to get there. I wanna talk a little bit about more of the just techni- technicalities of what mm-hmm. you guys do. Sure. So like, what is like, how are you going out and doing these classes? Like mm-hmm. what is, I mean, obviously your guys' target audience is men and young men, but mm-hmm. where does, what's your first step? Like how did this start really? Yeah, so we work very closely with our local schools Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and they know this, you know, um, the amount of detention, suspensions, fights, uh, sexual harassment. I mean, these are things that are happening and, and our program is evidence-based. It's been proven to change that. Um, we use national curriculum. It's not something that we just made up. Um, experts, 20 plus years of research goes into these courses. Um, and we, uh, measure it pre and post um, evaluations to show the change, to show the growth and the transformation. Uh, but we really wouldn't be able to do it without our local schools. Um, they're such an important partner in the work that we do. Um, but a couple of different ways that, that we do it. Um, one is we have a program called Coaching Boys into Men. This is for uh, young men who are on a sports team. And what a op- wonderful opportunity once a week before practice or after practice to sit down for 10, 15 minutes 
and to have a real life conversation about consent or mental health um, or healthy coping. Some really important things that you can talk to with the brothers on your team and your coach can be a part of that conversation. I think that's a really important program that we offer. Very successful with football, wrestling, you name it, Uh, tennis, soccer. Um, That's one of our programs that that we offer. But then the other one is we gotta reach in the classroom. Right? Not just our student athletes, but just our students. And so um, this is where I come in and I do either a 12-week class or a 24-week club. Um, again, working in maybe the health program, uh, working in academic recovery programs, or maybe it's an elective at the school. Um, but that's where we kind of are, are walking through all of these different topics around relationships, mental health, um, gender um, norms, violence, uh, allyship, all kinds of really great things. So uh, I'd say those are kind of the, the focus for young men and boys at the school level, but we also do a ton of work, college and adult men, and so maybe Christian can talk about our, our champions group and uh, the men's work that we do. A lot of the, the men's work that we do uh, is basically group therapy, although we don't tell anybody that because <laughs> therapy is kind of stigmatized. Um, but we practice a lot of allyship skills, like authenticity. That's normally the first one that we do. It's mm-hmm. just trying to strip away the mask that we all mm-hmm. have worn in the past and understanding who we are. And there's a lot of different ways that you can facilitate that. Uh, me, personally, I just kind of like throwing people in the deep end and sharing something really vulnerable and then hoping they do it back. A lot of the times it works. Um, sometimes it doesn't, but eventually. Um, but also practicing vulnerability. Uh, there's these, this, this card game that we have that has a bunch of different emotions, and a lot of them you seem to be like, I didn't even know that existed. But you can say, like, imagine yourself in a scenario and then find cards that you mm-hmm. would expect somebody to feel. <clears throat> Maybe you don't, but you can at least label those emotions. Uh, and then when you feel something like that later, you can label them again. So that's been really helpful with emotional intelligence. And a lot of it is just, like, connection as well mm-hmm. with other men. So how many champions do we have now? Uh, 18. 18. Mm-hmm. We, the last season that we had, we came together four times a month. Uh, one of them was a connection day. We all just went and got coffee together, mm-hmm. hung out, and actually had real conversations. And then we have a day of mm-hmm. like learning, understanding something that goes on, either it's violence against women mm-hmm. or... We'll watch a documentary watch, together watch a documentary, or, or read something an article. Like that. Um, and then we tried something called a feel day mm-hmm. where we would practice feeling emotions or understanding what emotions we were feeling or attempting to have empathy towards women because we root all of our stuff in mm-hmm. um, ending violence against women. And so one of the days we wrote letters to significant women in our lives and trying to understand what they go through, even though we know we never will be able to, we want to mm-hmm. attempt to feel that as closely as possible to be able to support them. Um, and then the final day was just another kind of decompressed connection day mm-hmm. where we all spend time together, talk about what we experienced that month, triumphs and low points. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the time those days were really healing uh, just as a space where you could be truly yourself mm-hmm. um, and understand what's going yeah. on. And then I, I, kind of at the end of our season, we like to put it all together and put mm-hmm. it into action. And so, you know, we, 
this past season, we've been launching our own podcast. Um, again, trying to amplify these counter stories, um, these healthy manhood examples. Uh, we've done a lot of work at Hope College where we do events for young men there that are centered on healthy masculinity, healthy relationships, taking off the mask. Um, and, and we've done a bunch of other projects in the past. We focused on school shootings and gun violence. Um, we, we wrote letters and, and, uh, to significant others. And so uh, every season we like to focus on a, on a project, but trying to amplify these counter stories and get the word out there uh, to the public. And I think the men who are part of our team, they're getting this community, this, this belonging, this purpose. Mm. Um, and that's such an important part of this work that men are looking for. Mm-hmm. It, these spaces provide that. And they're... The um, education piece of it, that is it, so important. So important. So, yeah, it really is like a mutual benefit. You know, we, we're changing culture, which is at resilience is what we want to do, um, creating healthy, you know, safe uh, culture. But our men are getting such a <clears throat> rewarding fulfillment out of the experience where they are liberated and healed and uh, it's really beautiful to to witness and be a part of it yeah it's almost like as champions leaders Mm -hmm. of this um goal course Mm -hmm. it's like you get to go through the process over and over again that's right and it's um i'd I'd imagine that through that you're you're probably peeling back those layers Mm -hmm. probably realizing things that you didn't even realize before because this is continuous work. It is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, very likely that a lot of the young boys or men that you are teaching are going to, if they don't continue to put in that work, they might just go back, yeah. just resort right back, because that's what the outside world is going to do to people. Right. That's what they've known for however long they've been alive. I mean, it's the same way with us. Like We learn things every time we mm-hmm. go through it yeah. again, because mm-hmm. we're unlearning. I mean, I'm unlearning 21 years of life, yeah. of yeah. what I was expected to be, and, and what you expected yourself to be right. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then pra- and then attempting to change twenty-one years of stuff. It's like trying to just learn an entirely new language and yeah. never. It's speak like learning English to walk again. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lifelong transformational mm-hmm. journey, um, and it's so worth it. But mm-hmm. it is difficult. It, mm-hmm. None of us said it was gonna be easy, and you know that going in, but. The relationships made, oh. the feeling like a human on the outside of it, mm-hmm. learning how to like feel happy mm-hmm. was a big thing. Like a lot of guys, you can't have any emotion that's outside of anger withdrawal. Like you can't feel joy, and so learning how to be happy was a really cool thing mm-hmm. that like a lot of men enjoy. You know, that's like a, being happy crazy. is cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, like those are just the things that's like. Yeah, it's constant work, but it's great, and it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's just, it's so, it's like a breath of fresh air to hear you guys, like, kind of talking about your own experience with this, because I think it's going to mm-hmm. be so powerful. Not only am I going to show this to the men in my life, but I hope that a lot of kids and student teachers at my school, like, listen to this and gain something from it. And so, kind of going back into, like, you guys said there's 18 champions, mm-hmm. and Outside of, like, these courses that you teach, like, do you mm-hmm. meet separately? And I'm assuming it's all men, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we, we do our, our, our men's work program. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have two seasons a year. 
that we do a spring and a fall season. Um, they're each four months. Um, we meet two to four times a month, depending on the season. It's not required, um, but it's encouraged. Um, but I would say that in that, I have seen so many organic connections and relationships form within the group. Um, and some are maybe more close than, than others, and I'm seeing that play out in real life where there's genuine friendship forming. They're going out to dinner together after the meeting. They're getting coffee together before the meeting. They're, you know, introducing their kids to one another. You know, it, it's transformational work um, within the team as well, not just like we're trying to transform community, but our own lives. Um, and and I've, I think that's such an amazing part um, of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as we've talked about so much loneliness among men and then this is kind of the cure for that yeah um well like personal story there's one of the guys in our group that like i joined what was that season three mm-hmm. and the guy that i now text almost every day about some new show or new movie that just came out 16 years older than me yeah we're friends like, <laughs> like yeah. and it's it's really great to have that both in the workplace but also having a friend outside of it that i can just talk to about yeah. anything and not be afraid of being judged mm-hmm. or ridiculed because I have emotions. Like it's, yeah. mm. it's been great. It's, it's so important and it's crazy how little people are having meaningful, mm-hmm. deep conversations. Mm-hmm. We, we are lucky enough to get the chance to, have spoken for over an hour already. Um, and it's insane because most people aren't having conversations over more than maybe 20 minutes if they're lucky yeah. in a day. Yeah. And especially I imagine men are mm-hmm. barely having those conversations at all about things that are actually mm-hmm. meaningful and real and yeah. authentic and raw and just things that actually matter and not just like filler like talking about sports or the weather exactly or things like that and so it's like it makes so much sense to me that you guys would just get close like that because because when you are even if it isn't men even if it isn't Mm -hmm. anything it's like when you are given a space to be truly yourself Mm -hmm. that's a gift a lot of people don't have that and a lot of people don't enable themselves to have it because they can't have that and I imagine that's times five with men just because you're never told to Mm -hmm. engage in that you don't even know how right right not allowed to have no idea how so you just end up being who you think you should be yeah Mm. and then just snowballs from there i think about it like it's a we're the authors of our story i love Brene brown um encourage the audience to to read some of Brene brown's work but I kind of envision that you know my life is a book. I'm the author of my story, and I get to continuously write these chapters. So the past doesn't define me. Um, there's always a new page, and so I can continue to learn and grow. There's a lot of things when I look back, middle school, high school version of myself I'm not proud of. I wish I would have done different. Um, but I have an opportunity tomorrow to, to, to be different and to be better and to be more myself, to be more vulnerable, and just trying to surround myself with people you know, like Christian, um, who are going to help me get there, who are going to support me, motivate me, hold me accountable in healthy ways so that I can be my best self and hopefully I can return the favor. 
I think we need that community and belonging to do this work in a sustainable way. Um, but yeah, you're the author of your story. You get to determine the next page. Um, and so let's kind of explore uh, everything that we can together as a team and, and make tomorrow uh, count. I think, and kind of off topic, but sort of on topic, it's, it's extremely important to give yourself grace. Yeah. And like looking back, not being upset with yourself for what you did in the past. Obviously, there are some things that's like, oh, that was really bad. But specifically when it comes to masculinity, you don't know any different. It's mm-hmm. the air you breathe. It's the water you swim in. You, you didn't have another choice because you were never given another choice. Yeah. So looking back and being upset with yourself is not fair. And giving yourself the grace to understand, like, look what I did. Maybe I'm disappointed with, mm-hmm. but I also couldn't have done any different. Mm-hmm. And now I'm taking the steps to change and right. to get better. And that's the key. That's important. But, like, you have to give yourself grace. And I struggled with that, with that yeah. in the beginning of being, like, very upset with myself because of how garbage of a person I thought I was. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't fair to me because how would I have been different yeah. when I didn't have any of the knowledge to mm-hmm. be different? Mm-hmm. And so going through doing the work, it's important to know what you need to change, but it's also important to give yourself that grace necessary yeah. to change. Yeah, that. the way I kind of think about that um, is like understanding that anyone who was you, anyone who was went through what you went through in your childhood mm-hmm. would have done exactly what you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're saying, it's like all the causes and conditions of your life have led you to that point mm-hmm. to where you maybe did something or said something that wasn't true to what you want to be now or what you wanted to be then. And just protecting that inner part of you that was hurt and that was abused and that wasn't taken care of yeah. and that was pushed in a different direction than what mm-hmm. you've learned is right now. So I think that that's really powerful. I want to kind of wrap up here and sure. kind of talk about what people can do to kind of reach out to you guys and kind yeah. of hear more about what you guys do. I mean, plug in your podcast and things yeah. of the sort. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's so many ways that you can kind of learn about this this movement. Uh, obviously, locally, we offer an opportunity to plug in. So at Resilience Advocates for, for Ending Violence, we go to our website, um, social media, we, you know, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, but an opportunity to, to get with us and to have coffee. We are always offering, uh, you know, if, if you're a coffee or tea drinker, um, we'd love to sit with you and talk to you about your story and uh, the work that we do and how we can mutually benefit from, be, you know, joining, joining the team. Um, and then I would also say there's some really great national resources as well. Uh, a Call to Men, if you go to their website, has some amazing stuff. Um, Justin Baldoni is phenomenal. If you're looking for a healthy male role model, to, he has a wonderful podcast, the Man Enough podcast. Highly encourage you to subscribe and listen to that. Um, Tony Porter, Liz Plank. There's some really amazing uh, national speakers and, and um, kind of uh, leaders in the work. So coming soon uh, to it's anywhere that stuff. you listen to your podcasts. Um, so yeah, Champions of Healthy Manhood podcast launching this spring. So at the end of every Shared Chair podcast, mm-hmm. we finish off by asking the interviewees if there's, if you could give every listener or every person in the world one piece of advice, what would it be? I think 
for me, the answer is don't be afraid to take care of yourself. Hmm. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, don't be afraid to like, even if the thing that you can do that day is just brush your teeth. That is a huge step in helping mental health and helping just get through the day. Don't be afraid to take care of yourself. Take time for yourself and like put yourself first. That's extremely important when it comes to just quality of life. Making sure that you're okay hmm. is massively important. Yeah, I love that. Mine's probably similar. I, I, th- I think about vulnerability. It really changed my life. It, it saved my life in many ways. Uh, and so I think vulnerability culturally uh, is kind of seen as a weakness. So my advice would be to embrace your vulnerability. Uh, and that can look like a hundred different ways. You know, I think Christian just said, like, being able to ask for help is an example of vulnerability. So maybe you're going through something, uh, and so many people are. Um, embrace your vulnerability. A- ask for help. I promise you you're not alone. I promise you it's not your fault that you didn't do anything to, to cause that and, or you don't deserve that. So ask for help when you need it. Um, but to open your heart. Um, open your heart in your relationships, in your friendships, um, with your partners. Um, open your heart. Allow yourself to, to be yourself, to feel, to be vulnerable, and I promise you great things will come. Life is so much better uh, when you're living vulnerably and authentically. So I hope that, I know it takes courage to do it, but gosh, is it worth it? I think that's so pow- powerful because I think so many people are scared of that word, mm-hmm. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Let's change that. Yeah, <laughs> let's change that. Um, For me, after hearing all about the amazing work that you guys are doing, I think a piece of advice I would give is to invite someone to have Mm. an open conversation with you. Just listen to someone. Don't run in the conversation. Yeah, just invite someone to talk to you about something other than the weather, maybe. Mm -hmm. How are you really? Love that. Yep. All right. Well, it's been wonderful having you guys on the Share Cheer podcast. I thank you so much for coming. And I think that what you guys have said and have to say is so powerful and meaningful to so many people. So I urge you guys to continue what you're doing and to continue to question yourselves as well. Will do. Thank you so much. You're a wonderful host and um, your leadership and putting this together. We really appreciate all your time and, and energy. Of course. Uh, anything to say, Christian? Uh, just thank you to everybody who did listen. It's mm-hmm. not an easy thing. It is very difficult, but it is also extremely important. So if you took the time to listen, thank you. And thank you. You did an amazing job. <laughs> thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Share Chair Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.